What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? Or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat? Or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load. Or does it explode? What happens to a dream deferred? This is what I imagine both Simeon and Anna might have considered. Langston Hughes, the son of Harlem, raised the consciousness of the African-American community in this notable piece he penned in 1951. This laureate of the Renaissance lifted up the plight of the African-American community in a way that commands our attention, not simply because he was black. Similarly, the principle today of Kwanzaa, Kujichagalia, the Swahili term for self-determination situates the experience of a people with purpose. Having experienced isolation, Langston Hughes writes from that place of self-determination to identify and proclaim that his experience was indeed important. His perspective, an important one. The power of his words are felt today. Yes, English professor Scott Challoner posits it would not be an exaggeration to say that every time the American dream is invoked, Hughes's question is there, asking what that dream is, what conditions make it possible, and why for so many it seems little more than a trap or an illusion or a promise that no longer meaningfully obtains. This has, for me, special resonance at this moment. This author goes on to add, though readers now tend to consider Harlem as an isolated, standalone anthology piece, Hughes initially conceived it as one part of a longer book-length sequence of poems exploring Black life in Harlem. Yes, Black life in Harlem, New York City. The answer to the questions posed always seemed to be just out of reach. Even Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Jr. pondered this particular poem in his heart and presented it in a number of speeches, even an Easter sermon. And in one speech, King remarked, I am personally the victim of deferred dreams. Even King's famous, I have a dream speech plays on the strains of a deeply Hughesian vision of racial justice, Challenger tells us. I'm reminded that the Bible teaches us in Proverbs, the 13th chapter in verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. In addition to the baby Jesus, this Christmas story typically focuses on Simeon and Joseph for many legitimate reasons. Simeon was a righteous and devout man. He's waited his entire life to have this very moment. His dream had been deferred and now is fulfilled. He is a saint in this narrative. In fact, within the Episcopal liturgy, there is a prayer 
often used at a burial service. When this is lifted up, it is known as the nunc dimittis. When I love, while I love Simeon's role in this story, when I love this prayer that he offers up and what it represents, I am really most interested in Anna's story today. Anna was a prophet also. These are powerful words Luke uses to introduce her in this gospel. This is one of the few times in scripture where we see a woman of leadership within the religious sphere identified as such. She was married for what some might say was only seven years. Yet in biblical terms, seven is the number of completion. God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. It marked the day of contemplation and signified all that was to be regarded as holy. It is the day when we are instructed to honor the Lord and keep the worship of our God. It is a holy number. Anna then goes on to live well into her 80s. She was a woman of prayer and service. She was also righteous and devout. She was the picture of leadership. She was known as Faneuil's daughter, but had no daughter or son of her own that we know of. She was a native of the tribe of Asher. Anna was a prophet also. After waiting a very long time for this miracle child, Anna is overjoyed at his arrival. And before Mary and Joseph head uh, off and leave to return to Galilee, the town of Nazareth, their home, Anna testified to the goodness of God. She told everyone who would listen about the Son of God and the redemption he brought to Jerusalem. Anna was a prophet also. So it is today we gather to celebrate the goodness of our God and the redemption the Christ child brings into our world. We have been waiting for good news. During this year of tremendous despair and severely distressing times, we have waited and waited. We have fasted and prayed. We held on for God to move in our lives to give us a new hope. We find that hope today in Jesus. In the same way that Simeon was led to give thanks for the opportunity to witness the Savior's birth in his lifetime, we give thanks for the opportunity to do likewise. In the same manner that Anna gave God praise for the Savior's birth, so do we. Yes, this story opens and closes on Joseph and Mary, providing the perfect symmetry for this moment. Mary had completed her process of purification as was expected of a Jewish mother, having been considered unclean for seven days after giving birth. There's that number of completion again. And in keeping with the laws of that time, Joseph too had completed his parental duties during this time. And together they pre present and received the naming of their son. Before leaving for home, these two prophets, Simeon and Anna, 
elders anointed with wisdom from on high, speak a word confirming the role and dedication of Jesus as a son of God. They proclaim before others that the right of his authority and set in motion the journey back to Jerusalem. They set in motion the journey back to Nazareth. They advance the kingdom of God as Jesus arrives on earth. Now, both Simeon and Anna could be at peace. Content with the knowledge that God had brought into the world the Savior for all creation. In doing so, God also granted their wish and effectuated their very dreams before their eyes. Yes, this was God's gift to all humanity. And the gift was not reserved for just a few, but for all. Simeon was blessed by this realization, but so was Anna, for she too was a prophet. Just as Langston Hughes' poem suggests, the heavy load that dream deferred and the possibility of it drying up lingered in the ethos for all eternity until the Savior had come. The dream is here, friends. Christmas has come. Christ is born. So now, what do we do? As Howard Thurman declares in his poem, the work of Christmas begins. The work of Christmas by Howard Thurman, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers and sisters, to make music in the heart. Now that the Redeemer has come, the Prince of Peace, the wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, what are we to do? Now, the work of Christmas begins. We are here to glorify our God in what we say and do now. It matters in what we write. It matters in how we think. It matters in our work for justice and inclusion of all God's creation, young and old, the lost and the left out. It matters. No dream deferred. The dream is here. Thanks be to God, Christ is born. Now, let us go to work.